Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? What are you doing with all of this? There are 253 genres on these walls, and each genre contains countless movies. Anything about the killings? What sick, ridiculous puppets we are, and what gross little stage we dance on. What fun we have, reviewing, fucking. Not a missed upload in the world. Not knowing that we are nothing. We are not what we intended. Oh wait, there's more. On the subway today, a man came up to me and started a conversation. He made small talk. A lonely man, talking about podcasts and other things. I tried to be pleasant and accommodating, but my head began to hurt from his banality. I almost didn't notice it had happened, but I suddenly threw up some Nathan shower water all over him. He was not pleased, and I couldn't stop laughing. No episode numbers. Just placed on the shelves in a grab baggins in no particular order. Looks like a life's work. If we had 50 fans listening in 24-hour shifts... It would still take us two months. I know, I know. But... Hey, hey, everyone, everyone, shut up! Everyone, shut up! Toochline, toochline, toochline! Uh, hello? I admire you. I don't know how you subscribe me, but imagine my surprise. I respect you movie podcasters more every day. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, John, I, I tell you, but- No, no, you listen, all right. I'll be readjusting my recording schedule like today's little setback. I just had to call and express my admiration. Sorry I had to hurt one of you, but I didn't have a choice, did I? You will accept my downloads, won't you? I feel like saying more, but I don't want to ruin the juice clues. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome to the Real Phil's podcast, and we thank you for joining us. If this is your first time coming here, we review a different movie and a different genre fortnightly, fortnightly. for you guys. Fortnightly. <laughs> and today we have our cat and mouse genre, Meow. and I'm bringing Meow. you one of <laughs> one of the most violent films of its time deemed to be the eighth most scariest film in America and it's 1995's seven mm. do you like what you do for a living these things you see you have to wear blinders sometimes most times Detective William Somerset is looking for a way out. You're retiring. Six more days and you're all the way gone. So how long have you lived here? Too long. Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. I'll show you who your friends and enemies are. Look, I've worked homicide five years. Not here. Now, we have ourselves a homicide. They're caught in a game. No fingerprints. 
no witnesses of any kind. Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy right now is he's totally insane. Where the price of sin is death. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this. Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Body was found on Tuesday morning. I hate this city. We're gonna get who did this. This will be the very definition of swift justice. There are two more bodies, two more victims. This guy is methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. He's laughing at us. He had a gun. He's two murders away from completing his masterpiece. Hey! Let's finish it. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Seven. Brad Pitty. <laughs> some, some Brad Pitty. Brad Pitty. Uh, well, okay. This movie, obviously super, super intense. And I can remember watching it way back when. Obviously not in 1995. I would have been freaking nine years old. No way it's a nine-year-old watching this film. But I did watch it years later. And it's it's just so dark. And it's just so, again, and intense. And to take something as a topic of the seven deadly sins and twist it and mold it into this, to put it lightly and probably not exactly appropriately, this beautiful amalgamation of a script that took two years to write. It's, it's in my opinion, I think almost a damn near perfect movie. Yeah. So I was 12. No. 13 when this movie came out and this was a blockbuster rental that my mom and sister uh, and I had watched and my mom is this is not her kind of movie so I just remember her like freaking out and exclaiming like oh oh god oh geez oh my god (laughs) during like pretty much every murder scene that they came upon (laughs) you know it's that that lady from Family Guy is like, oh, no, David, I don't like this at all. Oh, no. <laughs> not like this. Not like, not this. like this. No, not like this. <laughs> but I mean, think of, think of the beauty of when this movie came out. In 1995, you didn't have like the prominent aspect, again, as Nathan's favorite thing of social media. It's... Yeah, the, the the twists and the darkness and especially the shock of an ending was all pretty much kept under wraps until you finally saw this so movie. Wh- which of the where does this rank in the scariest films? There was a time in which this was ranked. I think it was uh, about like the eighth scariest film of all time. That was some of, that was some of the uh, the IMDb trivia that was up there. I don't know if I would. If I would move this, it may be 1995. It's a thriller, to be certain. It's a thriller. Oh, 100%. But there's not a whole lot of times where it's like, like where he's like, Kevin Spacey is like, you know, John Doe is like coming after him and he's like, oh no, like, like, well, I mean, none of the violence that even. Kaboom, boom, right. 
And none of the violence that Doe even inflicts upon his victims is even done on screen. All of these horrific incidents are off scene. And we as the audience, right, it's after the fact, we only see it as a crime Mm -hmm. scene. So, I mean, you you're left up to your imagination to think like, holy crap, like this is what transpired. This is what went on, because I don't know about you. First time I'm watching it. Third time I'm watching it. I think now this might be about like the sixth or seventh time that I've seen this movie. I I, I still, unfortunately, in my head, I I imagine what lust was what was happening. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it's just take this thing off me. Take this thing off me. Oh my gosh! It was a gun in my throat. That's on my throat. Did you guys recognize that uh, actor from anywhere else? I recognize that actor from Star Trek. From Star Trek, but he was also the the one glider pilot from Saving Private Ryan. Yes, see where like they welded steel plates, all that for one man. Uh, I I damn near broke my arms. Damn near broke my arms trying to hold a damn thing steady. Like yeah, yeah. He's done a lot of of bit parts. Plays through, very good the and there was character. a lot of a lot of those little, little Arlie Ermy. Uh, I love seeing him in this. This was a great role for him as sort of like the chief. Yeah, wake up, Glim- Glimmer Twins. <laughs> so, something that was not, uh, um, you know, like. I didn't know they stacked shit that high like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice role for him he, besides doing the, yeah, uh, yeah yelly, exactly. Yeah. Steers and queers. And he had actually, right, he had actually auditioned for the role of Somerset, but when they, they gave it to uh, Morgan Freeman, the director was still impressed with the way that he had delivered it. He had actually <laughs> delivered it like so straight face and without any type of care. And when he was said like, hey, would you like to play the chief of police? He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I would have liked to, I wouldn't mind seeing a version where he played Somerset, but I do like, he did do, he had a certain panache playing the mm-hmm. chief, like when he sets down the, the little linoleum filings yeah. and, uh, Somerset, uh, Morgan Freeman could, he kind of could care less. And then he says like on, over his shoulder on the way out the door, uh, these were fed to him. And then knowing that that's going to pique Somerset's right. interest and get him to head back out and do some more, uh, detectiving. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things is when he's like sitting at the desk and he's talking to Somerset and he's talking to Mills and then the phone rings. He's like, this isn't even my desk. And then he just <laughs> and he hangs it up. But I mean, OK, so, Drew, imagine <laughs> you were applying to be a principal and they said, no, but we like you so much. Why don't you be a, a janitor or a teacher? Like where it's like, well, <laughs> no, the gym teacher, <laughs> the gym teacher. It's oh, like, well, gosh. that's not what the I history teacher for. gets like, to be the gym teacher. Well, well, OK, so, I mean, obviously it's not it's not the role that you know, Lee, adu- uh, you know, auditioned for. But I mean, he was happy to still be part of the movie. He oh, was yeah. you know, happy to still be part of the aspect. Of it. I mean, it was kind of interesting just, you know, seeing him in that role. Also seeing uh, various uh, hair pieces <laughs> throughout the movie. Well, one of the things that I liked about this movie, and it kind of calls back a little bit to um, The Big Sleep and also to Philadelphia story is the one of the main characters going to the library and doing research. Mm-hmm. And then... I like the the library card, flagged books, going to the FD, FBI, getting that under the table, because this is all the pre-internet or like the fledgling days of the internet. So if, if you know, people were a little bit spooked at the FBI, uh, you know, 
looking at what their reading list was, uh, imagine what the tech companies of the government could be doing with your internet data. And it's just oh as shocking gosh. to me, I think. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I do love that, you know, now, I mean, that's just a thing that's understood. Like, I mean, if you're going to rent out certain books like these, yeah, you're going to be flagged and it's going to be one of those things. I could only imagine that now, you know, even with the Patriot Act, like it's in play, definitely people's like search histories and what websites they're going to. If they're, I mean, obviously, people find a way around it because if they're going to go to things like the dark web, definitely not going to be able to find it like down certain rabbit holes. And I think this movie had a very noir aspect to it. It was dark. It seemed like it was always fucking raining or damp except for that last car ride Mm -hmm. when they went out to to the box. And I mean, that's something that the director wanted to do. He had stated he had stated that he wanted it to be a black and white film in color. And so that was his main goal for this style of movie. Makes sense. Yeah, it was pretty darn good. And But with the amount of rain, I kept on thinking Brad Pitt's leather trench coat was not a good idea. Yeah, that's going to get ruined, bud, real but real quick. But I mean, other than that, I think, Drew, you are right. This is, it is as near perfect of a thriller as you could you could actually hope for. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I really wish, because it seemed like they foreshadowed it so much, was Somerset's switchblade. Like, because he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's thrown it at the, the dartboard and he, several times he the uses painting. the switchblade. I was hoping, like, he was going to, like, you know, toss the switchblade at uh, Mills's gun hand and disarm him or no. like or when uh, what's his name uh, John Doe is is trying to goad Mills into killing him after the box scene mm-hmm. like he throws the switchblade and it goes into his throat to like you know he'll Something. he'll take the murder he's retiring Mills has his life ahead of him and try to save him from sort of ruining his career by murdering the suspect and I think that, so we're going to talk a lot about the ending obviously because it's it the finale Alley is it is it is the like quintessential point of the movie, and it puts itself. It, this is a what puts it on the map. Twist ending. It was like pre, so um, good. Uh, oh, what's yeah. a, what's the uh, the guy who did uh, I see dead people? Um, oh, M Night Shyamalan. Uh, it was like the it was like yeah. pre M Night Shyamalan twist. Like it mm-hmm. was it it was shocking uh, for its oh, day. Oh, and it still is. Shocking. This still has is. oh yeah. This has like a an Agatha Christie times ten kind of feel of like oh my god like. Wait, she's in the box. And the fact that, like, he doesn't know that she's Prego and uh, John Doe, like, doesn't oh, know that just, he doesn't know. Sweet. And he's like, it's extra sweet. Oh, I tried to play husband. Like, oh, my God. Oof. And so, so I took a little prize, a memento. I visited your home this morning after you'd left. I tried to play husband. I tried to taste the life of a simple man. It didn't work out. So, I took a souvenir. Her pretty head. What's this talking about? Give me your gun. What's going on over there? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Because I envy your normal life. Put the gun down, David. It seems that envy is my sin. No, what's in the box? And I I agree. Like, there's not, there's not like the the fear factor in it, but there is this weird fascination, especially when they're investigating the house or John Mm -hmm. Doe's apartment. 
Oh, and yeah. you, you've got all the trophies lined up on the wall. You've got and he has Victor's boxes hand. prepped. Uh, you've got the the receipt for the the bondage, you know, knife dick, and, and then all the other stuff. And just the the depravity of his his um, journal room, and and that scene where Somerset is reading some of the his you know thoughts out on you know his mind out onto the pages. It's just uh, really great stuff. And like the the neon fucking crucifix over the dude's bed, like very. Very disturbing. Very disturbing stuff. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and we're, we're definitely not meant to know exactly like a lot about John Doe. But I mean, I think it's very evident that he is incredibly wealthy because, I mean, he's not only paying off, you know, Sloth's tenancy uh, at the at the apartment building. John Doe has his own room. He had or obviously has his own room. It doesn't seem like he actually works per se. And it's so unique that one, we don't know much about him. I don't think we need to know much about him because keeping him such a mystery, it is Adds what it is. Adds to the the fat, right. like the terrifying fascination oh, yeah. of the whole thing. And I mean, looking at his, looking at the in apartment that way. he's living in. Yeah. Oh, what in a weird way? What uh, in a weird way? What like did? that's kind of what I think makes what makes Joker um, and Batman. Like so, when Heath Ledger's played the Joker, and they kind of were like, we don't know. There's no backstory. Yeah, there's just no. that like. We don't even. He makes his own clothes. Like yeah. we don't. He doesn't have anything. As someone that has nothing like that, that you know, nothing to lose. Like because Brad Pitt gets really excited that he's like, oh, we, you know, what we got is like fun. So we got it. You know, yeah, like we've got him on the run now. It's like no, dude. He's got you on the ropes, and and you don't even know it yet. Detective. <laughs> just detective. 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 After this, I'm detective. gone. No big surprise. Detective! You're looking for me. <laughs> I mean, the, the the apartment itself, I mean, so many interesting clues that tell literally about himself as a character. The phone is like put away into a closet. Obviously, the fact that buried John Doe does not dirty buried clothes. under dirty clothes, like John Doe does not communicate with people. Okay, so he doesn't, he spends all his time by himself. The trophies are being put up on the wall as, you know, obviously something to admire and sit in just a door. And he the had photo other, lab? the photo lab, he had other boxes prepped for future trophies. And the room itself with all the journals, real, 100% real. You think he would have put the, the one chick, the model's nose in a jar as one of the Possibly. trophies to so cut yeah. off the nose to spite the face? Yeah, I think, I think that would be, be uh, very much the case. The room with all the journals, 100% real. The set decorators, spent $15,000 making all of those journals. Like every single one of those journals on that wall is handwritten where they studied insane people's not only stories, but their handwriting. They put crime scene photos like into the journals themselves. They wanted this small kind of like blocky lettering that was written, leaving absolutely no space left on the pages. And it's kind of weird because I do that kind of writing sometimes. And Whoa. <laughs> oh, but it's interesting to look at the writing and I'm like, oh, I, I sometimes do that when I take notes. Not that I'm leaving no space on the page, but I do like sometimes write like in all caps. So it was kind of neat to kind of like look at that. But yeah, like everything about him is just so weird. And you know that he's he's toying with them left and right, disguising himself as the reporter coming in with the uh, the camera and I have a right man. to be here. <laughs> I got your face, buddy. And I then, got your face. Do you think when like because Mills may be his own hubris 
led him to the finale because Mills calls down after him like, it's Detective Mills, M-I-L-L-S. Like, he gives away his name. That could have also been sort of a little nugget that, you know, he takes and runs with. Oh, very much so. Because there's no way that Joe was even, uh, John Doe was even, like, understanding who Mills was at that point because he's so new. He's, you know, he's very green to coming to the city and joining the force. He doesn't know anything about him in order to incorporate him into his plan. But then finding out that he has, like, such a hot-headed temper and his pride is very much there. And And Somerset warns him. You know, he's not a whack job. He's not insane in the, in the sense that you're speaking. He's not, you know, touching himself in his grandma's underwear. Uh, he is is very smart. He's probably like self trained in order to Mm -hmm. put in the, uh, the fucking, uh, the urine line. Uh, I forget the, the name for that, uh, into his urethra for Victor so he can pee. Mm hmm. Uh, setting up a catheter. There was an IV uh, also yep. in his arm as well. And then, that you know, he planned that out a year ahead and came back and took pictures, like, what, every day, every week? The stack of photos that they have, I'm guessing it could be up to, at I mean, least at least the week. small stack that Brad, that Brad Pitt picked up. It could have been once a week. Yeah. But yeah. When, when Victor, you know, like regains consciousness and starts coughing i remember the first time i watched it with just thinking holy shit one of the best jump scares that you can find in cinema and more to the point the swat team was not told that dr cox yeah dr cox (laughs) where do you think you are oh stop it (laughs) somebody call somebody Oh my god. Somebody call someone. Set it down. Were, Set it down. They were they were not told that he was going to be jumping back up and regaining consciousness. So all their reactions, much like that in Alien, when the chestburster comes out, the cast's reactions are true. So him freaking out and falling back, going, He's alive! He's alive! Dicks! All real. Get in oh here, Dicks! <laughs> I love that you put Dicks go in last. Yeah. Get in here, Dicks! They love this. But I love the- him leaning down and he's like you got what you fucking deserve. The the oh, the, uh, the car deodorizers <laughs> Ooh, everywhere, know, all yeah, over the, the place. God damn! This picture was dated three days ago. This must be the first one. Look, it's dated exactly one year ago today. I got a hair sample, I got a stool sample, I got this, I got fingernails. He's laughing at us. You got what you deserved. He's alive! He's alive! Chucker's alive! Come down! Mm. Mm. it's so again it's so meticulous it's so well thought out and again it's everything that somerset is telling mills like do not underestimate him do not call him crazy like he is very well thought out when i was doing my second or third watch through last night it struck me that this is probably one of the better adaptations 
of a book into a movie. It just, it's so well done. There's not really a whole lot of loose ends and just the emotion from start to finish, like, and the little twists and turns, like, you know, the fingerprints behind the painting and finding out from the the grieving widow, you know, it's a painting that a casual observer would never know is upside down. Like these little details are just so pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also like finding an actor for Sloth who... The actor that himself was so, so super skinny. He was 98 pounds. Ooh. It was Christian Bale, right? I was about to say, Christian Bale, yeah. machinist. <laughs> around, machin- around the machinist? <laughs> around the machinist? No. Uh, 98 pounds for the oh, actor. Fucking super, Victor. super skinny. <laughs> Give me better light. Oi! <laughs> they had even asked him, like, can you can you lose more weight? And by the time that they actually started filming that scene, he had lost six additional pounds, 14 hours to do the prosthetic work for that scene. That's how long he was in makeup. Oh it's I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that I mean, you you see it and you almost have to, like, stop, take a breath and just notice the details. Notice the fine work that goes into this film to tell this story. So you're saying we have to stop, collaborate, and listen? Victor's back. <laughs> the brand new edition. <laughs> <laughs> Breathe in and coughing in the mic. <laughs> Dr. Cox knows there ain't something right. <laughs> hey, quit, quit, quit getting on my Dr. Cox. <laughs> quit getting on Dr. Cox. For for gluttony, the guy was in that fat suit in the pro in the prosthetics for that. Like he was in there for God, like such ungodly amount of time. That entire scene, they dumped seven boxes of cockroaches on top of him. And they'd also like spread out through this small platform that the kitchen was on. Because even the director was like, I want you to get me like just the most standard kitchen. And I don't want it to exceed anything like this. It should be small and should be compact. This should be this man's prison that he is stuck in. And that's what it should feel like. I, I like how uh, they had like the Aldi brand pasta sauce. And that was one of the trophies as well. Like it, w- they weren't even trying to pretend it was authentic Italian. It was just like Clancy's marinara sauce. Oh yeah, no. Good it's just, it's like it, it's like saying that like the man sat down and he was eating like Chef Boyardee and that's what it was being like shoved down shoved down his throat. So is there like a like a junk food that if uh, John Doe was trying to feed you to death, what would you sort of pull the Homer Simpson donut trick on? Like the whole is there is there a, a canned food or a treat or something that you could be like, all right, let's do this. In and out four by fours. Like <laughs> he just keeps sitting. I'm like, all right, I guess I gotta eat it. <laughs> More grilled onions on the next one. <laughs> Hold the tomatoes. Like, you know, just to to actually the same kind of like uh, notion of like a canned food that you could probably go and purchase at the store in large quantities as kind of like gross as some people might find it. I'm I am definitely a product of my my parents. More importantly, my dad. I could probably do that with Vienna sausages. Really? You, you son of a bitch. No, oh! uh, but uh, for me, there was there was a, a time where um, it was right after I'd first moved to uh, the Bakersfield area. I didn't have any friends, but oh. I had EverQuest. <laughs> so I would come home on like a Friday night and pour myself a bourbon and play EverQuest. And then at some point, I would take an entire bag of Totino's pizza rolls, dump it out onto a sheet pan, and then just 
pour those, you know, lava hot uh, pizza rolls into a, a giant like salad bowl and then have like a little <laughs> smaller bowl that had ranch dressing in it and just be like, Jack. you know, cast, uh, casting spells, <laughs> casting spells, casting spells and just Mom, grabbing a pizza bangers. roll, dragging <laughs> it through the ranch into the mouth and just haul. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we go back to our uh, MMO days, I would just eat raw sugar cookie dough and oh and drink. You're Pepsi, a monster, and Nathan. drink Pepsi. And of course, now, would you would you roll the sugar cookie dough around into the biscuit mix? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 what was that, that biscuit was, mix? That was Jiffy Muffin Mix. Jiffy, <laughs> Jiffy Muffin Mix. <laughs> Jiffy Muffin Mix. Brush some of the ants off of you. No, but I oh learned that gosh. like I liked I liked like the log, like the roll of <laughs> it's big, <laughs> better, it's heavy, it's wood. Better than like the uh the like the the brick of cookie dough. Because uh, I could just yeah, like 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 a carrot, just argh. <laughs> What's I can see Nathan back? with like the log that has the pre-cut measurements. Like this is where you cut, oh, and this is where you is place. He's like, I know, I know where to bite no it. No pre-cut. <laughs> it's like those giant water bottles where it has like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. <laughs> And Nathan's just sitting there with one of those like uh, souvenir stadium hats that has a, a can of uh, a can of Pepsi uh, on each one, just with the nozzle. Live to win. Yeah, it's just it's I just like you know, like wow. you know, you're the feeling, best. Feeling around. good, feeling good. Maybe be sick. You should probably stop. Hate yourself. Call the doctor. That's that's how it's just going to level off for him. Yeah, but I, I I haven't had pizza rolls in probably I don't know eight to ten years at this point. But when I pass them in the freezer section, I sort you of sigh a little. I lingeringly look at them like combination, huh? You got both pepperoni and sausage. And what, why don't you Why don't you pick me up, Jax? Head on to the South Trust now. Get yourself some ranch. We can have a real good time. Like I said, no. Do it. Do it now. Late night calls. Jack, you can't call here. My family's here. <laughs> oh, you remember the good old days, Jack? Remember us. I did not remember Gwyneth Paltrow being in this film. It's so yep. weird. Like, I, I feel like I blocked out a lot of the moments that she's in the movie. And in that first watch that I did for this, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, wow. Like, she yeah, was before this? she got weird with the goop and, like, the placenta yeah, pills. Wait, wait, and, uh, yeah. And before you know, she tried to be the, Iron the Man. Yeah. stuff. And, <laughs> she ain't no Iron Man. She's not Iron, Iron Man. She's, she's rescue. Oh, I am no man. Take a seat, Pepper Potts. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt had said that she was the only, like, sunshine for him during the entire filming, like, of this movie. Like, she was the only bright moment. Not Hawthorne James, the uh, the bus driver from Speed. Like, come on. Come on. If, uh, he, he plays the, uh, uh... Was he the medical examiner? No, he was in the in the library. He's like, you gotta miss us, you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, that's oh, right. He goes How on to this drive a bus at top speeds. Gentlemen, gentlemen. I'll never understand. All these books. A world of knowledge at your fingertips. What do you do? You play poker all night. Hey, we got culture. Yeah, we got culture coming out of here. How's this for culture? 
<laughs> See, I was kind of hoping when uh, Somerset Jeez. goes, or when Mills meets Somerset for the first time, he comes up the stairs, and that's just after where Somerset is looking at the refrigerator, and he's like, did the did the child see it? And the one detective's like, this is why we're ready to get rid of you, Somerset. <laughs> you and your questions. <laughs> it's a crime of passion. Yeah, there's a whole lot of passion up there's on the wall there. The wall. But if you went downstairs and there was the kid, and the kid was like, you know, a little, you know, very obviously disturbed and... Mm-hmm. Somerset goes down, is trying to console him, and the kid looks up and goes, Did God paint you? <laughs> Did God paint me? <laughs> yes. Allah loves wondrous diversity. <laughs> Fuck me, he cleared it. <laughs> Christian! <laughs> <sighs> I'm done, I'm done, I'm sorry. The writer for the actual film is the first dead body in the opening scene that's on oh, the floor. Okay. The, the husband the husband who uh, died. I found it interesting to see exactly how many people turned down roles for this film. I mean, you had Al Pacino, who turned down the role of Somerset. You had Denzel Washington, who turned down the role of... Washington Taylor? turned down the role of Mills. How ooh, how interesting would that have been, having Morgan Denzel Freeman... Denzel Washington and Morgan and Freeman? Denzel... Uh, see, that's I, glory. I think Al Pacino would have been too hoo about it, like... <laughs> Yeah, he's not crazy. <laughs> and then Al, uh, Denzel Washington would have been way too smooth with it. No, but like Al, Al Pacino no. already takes his he takes his own moment with it with it playing the older detective in a type of like murder like this, and it's called like The Hangman, and that's a movie that he did. That's actually it's not bad. I, I actually really enjoyed him playing like this old detective who's clearly too old for the job, but he doesn't want to retire just yet. And, and, and that's and, kind of like how Somerset is. And Somerset he. He port he brings across and is able to deliver the the weariness and the world weariness and the apathy uh, of somebody who's just lived in this shithole of a of a town. You know, he's got to use a metronome at night just to so he doesn't hear people screaming outside and the sirens and and the honking horns and all of that. I I can't. I, I, I know a lot of people turned down roles for this and Arlie Army, you know, tried to audition for it, but I think you couldn't get better than Morgan Freeman with this role. No, I don't think so either. I mean, Val Kilmer turned down the role for John Doe, which I think would have been interesting, but I don't think... He would have done good. Yeah, I think it would have done fine, but I don't know. Like, Kevin Spacey, he just does something for this movie. Uh, you had Sylvester Stallone turn down the role of Mills, which I thought would have been really weird. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, What's I, in I, the I, box? I mean, what are you? What are you talking about? I didn't. I, I, I was working. Don't jerk me off. That's all I'm asking. Somebody said, "Don't jerk me off." I didn't work security at don't a Taco Bell. Don't sit next to me. I don't want people to think that we're gay. I, I had homicide for five years. What are you doing down there, Judge Hershey? One, I, I two, took a three. took a, a bullet <laughs> to the top and, and spun him like a top in slow motion. What What was his name? What What was it? But okay. <laughs> If Denzel Washington had played Mills, you would have had a very like uh-huh. you would have had like that like glory taught like you know swing back to sure where yeah. Denzel Denzel Washington's the young like brassy like you know I'm gonna go get me some you know some biscuits you know and Morgan Freeman's like when are you gonna stand up like men like you know we that older like why have you not got it through your head like we, this is what needs to happen i still Sorry, it, it, yeah. i don't know what it would have been, been interesting if denzel washington had played mills they could that could have been a prequel for to training, training day, day. Yes! for training day and then like, like he he's he's acquitted he's so of the murder pa- crime of passion <laughs> and he just starts he just becomes the most corrupt drug corrupt drug using cop oh, yeah, he doesn't uh, in anymore. lapd history and they, they don't really care. tell you what what uh what city it's taking place in no. 
raining. Yeah. It, yeah. It's raining way too much for it to be L.A. Chicago. Uh, but, but of course, that is the Golden Empire that they drive out to uh, in the box. I mean, that could have been yeah. shot in the San Joaquin Valley, for Christ's sake. Some of the filming, though, inside the car where like you have it, the guy coming in the, from the back seat and he's filming Somerset off to the left-hand side. They're filming in New York. But then when they have Brad Pitt off to the right, that's in L.A. And so it's interesting because they picked up different times when it was like really, really raining. And so, I mean, you have different locations, but right. The the mystery and the onset of not actually disclosing a location specifically. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I don't think that it would have been L.A. per se because you had uh, you had a, a, a tram, right? So, I mean, that's not in L.A. The subway. So, was it a, was it a subway or was it like the uh, like a monorail? Yeah, he even monorail. says. Or, monorail. No, he says, yeah. like, everyone, monorail. Sub, subway. Oh, gosh. <laughs> when, <laughs> at the end. So, let's. I want to talk about real quick, if we can, the possible endings and, like, what their outcomes would have been. So we have the ending that happened where he, where Somerset sees the box and goes, oh shit, goes back, tries to stop him like, hey, hey, just, just walk away, man, just walk away. Doesn't do that. And then he, in turns, figures it out, shoots him like, yeah, there's nothing left to live for. After that, he's probably, like Jack said, going to get off on crime of passion. Like any judge is going to go, oh yeah, you just found out that your wife was pregnant and just got murdered by the guy that you were hunting. Yeah, dude. Slap Plus on the they rest. had everything on tape. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's Plus they had everything on tape and he, he empty. I mean, he doesn't murder him. He flat, he empties a clip oh, he, into yeah. the guy's face. Execution style. Loved it. But so you have we have the the ending that we have. What would have happened? Like I'm going to give each one of you a make your own ending, and then kind of walk me through how it goes. Jack, you first. I'm gonna I'm just going to reiterate the one that I, I mentioned earlier, where perhaps this time Mills do, or uh, Somerset does not immediately start with uh, you know throw down your gun, throw it away, throw it away, and he gets there as fast as he can. Instead of running this time, maybe you know gets in his car and drives it to where they are to get there faster. Then uses a switchblade and throws it into John Doe's throat, killing John Doe and stopping from Mills uh, from. Um, avenging his wife or murdering his wife and sort of taking that on him uh, rather than putting everything on Mills, you know, the death of his wife and then forcing Mills to to basically, you know, avenge uh, himself and murder uh, John Doe. I, that's what I it could have been a possible outcome. It's, it's interesting to think exactly like what would have transpired if that were to take place, because the, the whole instance of him being told, you know, she she was pregnant and then unleashing literally his wrath he would have found out inevitably that she was pregnant. I mean, uh, yeah. the doctor, the doctor would have totally disclosed that to him. That would have been part of the trial that murder, oh, yeah. you know, to account. Very much that. so. But, or but Katsumoto's see- son is in the movie and, <laughs> and is there was like one of the drivers and is like trying to, tried to talk Mills down like, wife head in the box, murderer here, too many mind. <laughs> Jolly good. <laughs> mind the switchblade. Mind your gun. Too many mine. Too many mine. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think that if you would have had 
because one of the endings was originally was for Somerset to kill John Doe and not Mills. And I think that would have been really interesting to where, like Jack is saying, have it all fall on Somerset. He the heroic sacrifice. Exactly. I mean, it could have been interesting, but but you still would have had this broken shell of a man. I mean, not at that point, And it would have been possibly something, man, he he would still have to deal with the fact that his wife had died. So maybe the wrath would have gone on to someone else. So it's interesting to try and like think of exactly what would have taken place after. But Nathan, what was yours? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think that had he trying to land it on an up ending where Mills like takes the high road and goes like, no, like I'm not gonna, like I'm not gonna kill him. Like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be behind bars the rest of your life. You, no one's gonna ever, like you're not gonna hurt anyone ever again. Would have been t- like, I'm glad they didn't do that because it just would have made this, I think, very tropey. Like, Ah, uh, like good overcomes. It would have been as impactful. Yeah, yeah it, it mm-hmm. definitely would not have had the. I think the reception that it that it has. I do think that having like Morgan Freeman like kind of talk him down and like or like get kind of in the way because I don't. Part of me doesn't want John Doe to like get up and like try and attack him or anything because like, he's very calm and he's just like yes like do it fulfill the prophecy but i think that having having morgan freeman kind of destiny fulfill the prophecy and go like like he's not wrath like i'm wrath and like having that kind of moment of john doe winning but like kind of like wait no 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 i wanted him to be like broken you know and mills kind of getting the like i mean the switchblade should have been the way the way to go you're right jack they just they force i feel like they foreshadowed that switchblade so much that i i wanted something to happen with it he just grabs and goes an eye for an eye and just starts sawing (laughs) off his head (laughs) he's all looks look mills i got his head <laughs> Jesus. I think, what is going on with you? I think one of my favorite shots in this movie is right after they do the dual interview, uh Somerset interviews the guy who was forced to lust do the lust uh murder while Mills is interviewing like the purveyor of the brothel or or flop house or wherever they were and it's after both of those people have left and they sweep by so you can see them both in the uh interview rooms but they're by themselves now and they're both in just various poses of what the fuck is going on it's it's an interesting thing especially when you take into consideration just like the amount of energy that was in the room with the guy who had to have like the knife strap on he would actually like prep himself to breathe in and out so fast so so much oxygen would get trapped in his body so it seemed like he was hyperventilating and he also stayed up for a couple of days before uh the shooting so he would look so oh, the old wet. charlie sheen ferris bueller trick <laughs> i think we should just settle on calling it a sword dick oh yeah that's that is a a bladed dick a sword dick <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> you have the sword, Dick. You have the uh, the gun strap on from uh, you know from dusk till dawn. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the with the little testicle uh, chambers, the uh, yeah. the little revolver testicles. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I think a lot of people can possibly look at this film and immediately with today's viewing and in the things that have happened in recent years, immediately go like, Ugh, I'm not going to watch this. It's Kevin Spacey. You know what? I don't I don't like him as a person. I don't like, you know, who he is. Hopefully people can actually just literally take away the person from their craft because he's literally playing a character and or maybe that character kevin spacey was playing was a little bit closer to heart it was maybe so hard for him to play a fucking disgusting creep but i don't know like there are movies like american beauty that like i i just i love so much but i feel like they're they're tainted now and that's Mm. what it is is that it's it's someone's body of work michael jackson do you do you never listen to another I, michael jackson song ever i again? have a like a michael jackson greatest hits album on my my itunes and even now i will skip songs that that come on where i'm just like nope can't can't do that right now nope yeah i mean mm. people's actions you know will forever shape their work and it shapes their lives. Look at Johnny Depp right now and uh, his fallout. as he's been asked as he was asked to be, you know, removed from Fantastic Beasts. I mean, though that's that's like the Hobbit of the Harry Potter universe. But you see, but not to everyone. There are people that are like they're like. <laughs> oh, this I, is there's, the, there's there's still the rabid fans. I agree. Or or even the billion dollar franchise of Pirates of the Caribbean, and he was asked to step away from that. And it's just kind of like this, well, but then he w- but he was given his job back for that because I mean that that whole issue like, between. This is a lot of money. It was going back and forth between like, you know, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a wife abuser. Oh, his wife was lying and she's really the abusive one. It was going back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Yeah, but I mean, for Pirates of the Caribbean, I feel like the first one was like that first Starbucks that came to town and everyone's like, whoa, this is new and it's, it's fresh and exciting. And then, then there was like one on every street corner and I just got really burned out with that franchise where it's like, do you want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men's Chest? No, no, I, I think I'll just have some drip coffee at home. Thanks. I think the last one, the very, very last one that came out, I got a little tired of it. And I don't, I don't, I feel like the plot was just so meh. The third one at World's End, I kind of deem that to be like the D&D of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, because it actually seems like a full, well thought out quest. You know what I mean? Like they have to go find, they have to trap a mermaid. They have to use the mermaid in order to find the well of, you know, for eternal, the fountain of youth. And I mean, it just seems the well of my, souls. I, yeah. I mean, like in my mind, it seems like a well thought out plan. I think it's kind of neat. Also, I, I like the, uh, the casting for it. It's such a fun casting. The third but. one. Yeah. The casting's strong, but the, I hated the, is it the fourth? The fourth one um, was like the last like, one or was that the fifth one? I, I don't know. I don't care. Then no, the fourth one. Fourth one has fourth one's decent. Fifth one is is garbage. Anyways, moving on from Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean and all that. Back to seven. <laughs> back back to seven. I again. I think this is just such like a brilliant kind of like movie that you can see different things in the film where uh the the library it's not even a library it's the bank it's the same bank from the mask and they because they couldn't find any other libraries that didn't look too modern they wanted that you know that old, old school style, yeah. style mm-hmm. yeah yeah all the books around in, in that bank where they set it up they're all made out of fiberglass and it's it's so interesting to where like all this time and effort i love somerset's dedication to spending like you know the last like 10 hours obviously not sleeping researching studying making photocopies and somehow cramming it all into that tiny little envelope <laughs> and then mills has a, had a has a uniform officer get him the goddamn cliff notes <laughs> good good work officer <laughs> it's like fucking dante what if uh 
<laughs> what if Somerset, like, like if after he pretend he kills Doe, and like he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out the like the metronome kind of pieced back together, and he gives it to hold on, he gives it to <laughs> <laughs> he gives it to Mills, and he says, "Earn this." <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are you willing to like, do? do. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a dig a wolf. <laughs> Give me a head of the box, Priscilla. One single head. <laughs> Reverify wrath to target. Oh, jeez. This movie I, I do love with uh, a $33 million budget. Worldwide gross, it made damn near 10 times its money back. I mean, it did so incredibly well. And it's almost like obscene, but delicately done. You know what I mean? Because it has like, what, what is it? It's like a PG-13 rating. I think, I think it has a PG-13. I don't, I don't or is it R? Is yeah, it R? No, that's... Okay. If yeah. it's an R rating, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if it's R for like the 90s, this thing... I was watching like a Siskel and Ebert review. I mean, they were even saying like, this should be NC-17. And even some of the stuff in it is like too much for NC-17. It, it's definitely R because you do see some fat man dick at one point. Oh, yeah. You see you see the fake. See a little Frankenbean. You see the a fake well-endowed, uh, the well-endowed prosthetic uh, penis that they gave him. <laughs> the sound uh, we've got. Isn't that Howard Shore that, mm-hmm. that did this? Lord yeah. of the Rings. And you can hear the some of the, like, the seeds of Lord of the Rings music at certain points what can you see <laughs> the seven deadly sins no. <laughs> uh, no but some of that like brooding music you can hear some of those rhythms could almost turn into like dun 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 well, I mean, even for like the intro, because the, the intro is like, it was like revolutionary for the time. They wanted the intro and the credits to look like a psychopath hadn't made them. And that's the feeling that you got. I mean, it, my cat is attacking my blinds. Frodo, uh, the dog. The dog. <laughs> you just throw a pen at your cat? Maybe. <laughs> no more well wishes. <laughs> What about very old friend? <laughs> He's not here on party business. Frodo, <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help I'm trying you. To help you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, segmentes? Segments? Segments. What would you do with the drunken segments early in the morning? All right, well, our first segment is uh, Seven Deadly TV Shows. Now, the sins found within the movie are all dealt to people who are guilty of them. So what are we guilty of? Pick two of the sins that you're guilty of, but more importantly, with those sins, uh, which television show are you guilty of watching with this sin? You want to go? I I did uh, I did a little bit of a flip-flop. I did two personal sins. And then I did two TV sins. Oh, okay. Either way. So my sins would be pride and sloth. Uh, I take too much pride in the things I read, watch, and consume, and sometimes judge others (coughs) 
on their own choices. For Sloth, uh, some of my favorite Saturdays involve sleeping in way too late, rolling out of bed and onto the couch and playing video games, watching TV or movies while stuffing myself with junk food. It's been a particularly slothful day if I don't even take a shower until Sunday morning. Those are nice. The TV show, the first one would be uh, The Sin Covetousness. Covetousness. The show would be Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, or Voyager. Sometimes I just want to be somewhere like the Enterprise where you don't have to worry about Mm. mundane things like a mortgage, car payments, or buying groceries. Uh, If you could just walk up to the the, uh, replicator in your room and be like, prime rib, recipe nine. That would be great. The other sin would be gluttony. I have a soft spot for cooking shows. Uh, It started with the original Iron Chef Japan, and now I have regular staples like the Great British Baking Show. The catch is the food that they make has to be good. It's harder for me to tolerate shows like Chopped, where people are constantly sabotaged, and you end up spending like 10 minutes watching some poor chef pick pieces of lobster out of 20 gallons of lobster bisque to try to get enough to make a lobster roll because someone screwed him on a bid. Like, that, those kind of shows piss me off. <laughs> but yeah, those are my shows. Okay. So, I mean, if I were definitely to give myself uh, two cents, it would, very, it would be obviously uh, gluttony. And sloth, I would be very much uh, that case. As for my TV shows, something that is very much a guilty pleasure, and I will consume it whenever I possibly can. Uh, it's uh, it's Golden Girls, one hundred percent, all the time. I absolutely <laughs> adore that show. There's no shock here. <laughs> There's no shock. Spare no here. Expense. As for, <laughs> I spare no expense. As for something that is uh, another sin, uh, we're gonna go with wrath. And this is something where I can actually get genuinely angry with sometimes, but it's also a slight addiction. And I watch Hoarders, and I love watching Hoarders, but I get so flippant angry at the people who, again, and I know it's understanding that, like, the hoarding is, like, a mental disorder, but it's so angry where, like, a person says, like, well, what's more important to you? Like, having your son come home actually being able to come home and the state is allowing you to have your son back or your junk. And the guy's like, well, not all of it. And it's like, are you kidding me? What are you? <laughs> or or he's ah. like, well, wait a minute. You're throwing away that bag. I went through that bag. I want to keep that. Ba-. And they're like, well, no, 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 we'll keep the stuff in the bag. You're like, no, I want the bag. <laughs> like, Whoa. It's <laughs> I, I, I can't watch those shows like uh, hoarders and uh, addiction. So good. Or my my addiction, yeah. They because I I get that you know it's like oh well somebody's you know having a, a worse time than I am, but I I I feel bad. Yeah, like it it's not it doesn't put me in a good mental place watching that. Uh, but th- but that's me. That's me. That's no no no. And I and I can. I'm not judging that. you for this. No 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 no. I, I, I just said s- I was kind of judging well, no, no, you no. with my last it's, statement about. Pride, I know, I know what your coughing was. <laughs> And and I get that. Like, you don't necessarily feel like 100% good watching the shows, but it's more, I more see it as like a shock value of like, wow, can, like, how, how? How many dead cats are in this house? Let's find out. No, when they bring out like dead animals that have been buried underneath like someone's junk and they present it to them and say like, do you understand like where this was? And and the lady's all like, I thought That's where Biscuits got to. I thought he ran away. Biscuits, no. you little bitch. Where'd you go? <laughs> Come here. Like, this isn't this isn't like, oh look, it's a cat it's skeleton. Dead. No, this is a flat cat skeleton because he was under five feet of trash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. I 
may have misinterpreted this uh, segment a little bit, but we're just going to go with it. So I read it as the first part. Uh, what are your, what are the two of? So gluttony, I've sometimes moved to, from four by fours to in and out to four by fours plus a two by two, aka a double. Like, oh, nice. and I know I need to like nice. curve that. I need to stop that shit real quick. Cause like I eat, I eat like stupid amounts of food. Like you guys think that you know, like, but the bachelor party, I had four of those bangers. I was like, I was tossing them back. I love food. So when you go to in and out, do you have like, like a baseball cap pulled down low and some big sunglasses, like four by four, two by two. Make them, make them nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Extra spread. Forty <laughs> two for Nathan. Don't say my name. <laughs> told you not to use my name. I told you, meet me around back. Make, no, do you make, forego the drink and you bring your own Pepsi? Because all they have is Coke. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> uh. No, it's it's all perfect. Uh, my, my second my second sin is uh. Is Raph. Uh, and when I watch football, or sometimes when I play games, I can, I, I, I've got. Or season eight of well, Game of Thrones. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to shows in just a second. <laughs> so, so I have this, uh, you know, Raph when I watch football and stuff like that. But, um, so here's the second part that I, I think that I misinterpreted. The t- pick the sins we're guilty of for which television shows we watch. So Breaking Bad. Greed. I just, I think that show like kind of embodies greed and like always trying to get more, never getting out when they should. But then I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do Game of Thrones, but I'm going to break it down and give every two seasons one sin, if that works. <laughs> so seasons one and two was lust. Oh, wow. I just had like, like this lust for the show. I just wanted, like, I was just like, oh, like, all of it. it. I just want to consume it. I want to get it's HBO. It had boobies. It had like violence. I was like, this is so good. Seasons three and four gave me pride of Game of Thrones because it was becoming such a good show. I was so prideful. I, was, I wanted to talk about it. I was like, this is the best. I love Game of Thrones. Season three and four rock on pride. Five and six was envy. It gave me envy for, well, it's good. It's good, but it's kind of. I want it to be like season four and three, like because that it could be better, it and it's be going better. to be better because I just, I just wanted like what the previous seasons had. I wanted that magic more and more in uh, five, uh, five and six, and then seven and eight is pure wrath. I had such anger through those seasons, and that was my Game of Thrones deadly sins wave. It was. Tell it Nathan, me. I want him to know <laughs> it was me. That pretty little head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Segment number two. Another, you know, kind of like venture into the uh, seven deadly sins. Andrew Walker, the writer for seven, takes us through the sick and twisted world of John Doe as he tortures and traumatizes these individuals in accordance with their sins. Each of these individuals exhibits the aspect of the specific deadly sin, but only as a victim. Pick two of the sins and cast a specific actor or actress that you feel could embody this sin as a character. Now, this role can be for a comic book character in a horror movie or something of the like on the screen for the chosen actor or actress's body of work to base it off of. I'm going to give mine 
Again, may have misinterpreted this a little bit, but I'm going with it. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> no, just artistic right, license. So, you yeah, took artistic, artistic license. So I have. Yeah. I, I kind of updated the timeline on this, like making this a little bit more nowadays and with actors that are a little bit more, you know, obviously they're more established now. So I would have Tim Allen sure. as Joel Olstein for Wrath. And this is where, like, this is would be, like, kind of the original plan for Wrath. The Righteous Wrath, where, like, it's, like, condemning and, like, saying, like, you're going to hell and all that. The Righteous Wrath that he inflicts, even though he's very loving, you know, I'm not talking too much shit about Joel Steen, but just that, like, that sin of always condemning and always hate towards people that that you that don't believe what you believe, I think, uh, would be on John Doe's list in a weird way. And then Andrew Scott, um, who plays Moriarty and Sherlock, he plays Hall in, in Band of Brothers. So that actor, he's actually gay in real life, and I think he's mm-hmm. a phenomenal nope. actor. But I think for Pride and LGBT community, don't, don't get mad. This is just part of the movie. But having a gay, like, Pride leader, like, rally leader, and it's like, yeah, like, that's still Pride, and that's not, that's one of the sins. And I think Andrew Scott's a phenomenal actor, and he would just nail the role. So those are my two. I like it. Okay. You want to go next, Drew? You want me to go? I'll go. That's fine. Yeah. For Sloth, I chose actor Doug Jones. And I really like Doug Jones because he's not a person that is like directly in front of the camera. He is. He played more, Abe Sapien, right? He played Abe Sapien. Yeah. He okay. plays, um, I, I haven't watched Discovery, but he's the tall, kind of pinkish skin. Um, it's, he, I've seen the first couple seasons. He. He does play a great role in that. Okay, good. Yeah, see, and people are really liking him as well. But I love the aspect of just how in character he gets. He's a phenomenal creature actor. He does body language incredibly well. I think he could do sloth if it were more to the idea of, again, this withered husk that, like, time is moving so slowly for the person. Like, he's, you know, this decayed individual. Like, if it was kind of like our... Knights Templar, who was protecting, you know, the chalice in Last Crusade, where but maybe it's like a weathered king who is like stuck to his throne and he finally has to deal with people coming for his treasure. And he like, you know, slowly gets up the bones cracking, dust falling off of his body, the torn ligaments almost like falling like spaghetti. I mean, just like Lork from Diablo three. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would work actually quite well as a good example. I just think that he could just do something so well with it. As for my other sin, it would be lust. And I wanted to go originally with Kate Mara because I think she's just <laughs> so, so incredibly hot. And But I didn't want to like taint it with her scene uh, with Kevin Spacey yeah. in House of Cards, despite the fact that being despite that being like one of those scenes where you're like, hold on, hold on now. Let's yeah. watch this again. Well, this is good acting. But, uh, this is good acting. I'm gonna. <laughs> this is this Leon good acting. Phelps, and this is the next scene. It's called "The President Gets His." <laughs> but I'm gonna go with a. Uh, I'm gonna go with Kate Beckinsale, and mm-hmm. because I think Kate Beckinsale again is another actress who is just incredibly attractive, and I really like the allure uh, from something that, and as much shit as I can get from it, from the allure of her playing uh, Celine in Underworld. They're so I, hot. I, again, Those leather pants were like painted on. I Ooh, they, were boy. Like, they were like painted on and like the the contacts to give her like not even like blue eyes, but like icy blue eyes. And it's just again so incredibly like intrinsic and just 
like, like sexy. I mean, just put it down. Just just sexy. And I mean, to put it to put it not only the fact of like, is she like a beautiful woman, but fighting and still being that like attractive and it not really detracting anything from it as bad as that can probably make me sound like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we fought these lichens in the forest. forest. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Doug Jones for sloth. Anything that could really make it a fun creature feature aspect with great prosthetics and special makeup. And then uh, just just Kate Beckinsale. (laughs) No, no, I'll take it. Uh, I took a little bit of a different spin on it where I chose the existing actor, existing role and tailored the sin to them. Okay. I think Christian Bale already did a wonderful embodiment of pride in American Psycho. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, the one scene where he's like fucking the, the prostitute and he's like flexing and looking at himself in the mirror. I think that's just a great embodiment of that sin portrayed on film. The other is a Leonardo DiCaprio toss up. It's either going to be gluttony for his role in Wolf of Wall Street, which I, I, I just adore some of his acting in that. But I think I'm really going to have to decide to go with a hybrid sin of greed and wrath as Calvin Cain. Andy and Django so Unchained. Oh. I, I just, that character is just so, oh, my God. Would would you would you care to retire now to the parlor? We're going to serve some white cake. <laughs> Good picks. I mean, when he, when he slams his hand on the table and he breaks the glass and he actually cut himself in real life and just carried on with the scene and everyone else is like, holy shit. Like, that's a great embodiment of, embodiment of wrath. Oh, yeah. And also a testament to everyone in that movie when, you know, he smeared the blood on her face. Like, it's like, oh, this is real. This is real. Stay in character. Stay in character. <laughs> <laughs> Quentin Tarantino is watching. But yeah, those are mine. All right. Last one, and I think everyone could probably have uh, predicted this uh, type of segment was coming. Uh, what's, what's in the box? What's in the what's box? In the box? <laughs> we all know what's in the box, even though they don't show it. Somerset tries his best to keep Mills from finding out, but alas, John Doe's plans come to fruition and Mills becomes wrath. What object or item that you hold personally, if found destroyed inside the box, would literally break you? What's the story that uh, makes this special item? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So there's there's not a lot of things that I really kind of like keep of this uh, this one friendship that I had when I was 12. And my my best friend had gotten brain cancer and he eventually he passed away. And it's uh, it's one of those moments to where like, I think I can think and retrospectively now uh, and understand it more, but I still kind of like blame myself where as a 12 year old, I didn't really want to watch my friend. I didn't want to watch my best friend die. And so whenever he like had asked like, hey, can you come over? Can you hang out or come over for dinner? I made up some bullshit excuse and I didn't go. And like so like to it's probably the greatest regret that I still have to this day where I I do not feel like I was as good a friend to him that I should have been. And so, but I, but I tried and I, and I was there when I could, or at least when I made the time when I could. And so two, like two things that I really kind of like hold dear, uh, of his and ours is, uh, I have two photo strips from the Kern County fair when we went, when we were uh, young and before he got really sick. Uh, and I, I have those two photo strips and I've, I've cut two of them, down to like their little, uh, you know, three individual pictures. And 
I keep uh, I keep one in my wallet at all times. I keep one in my car and it's in my it's in my visor. And uh, one I keep kind of like in. I mean, essentially, it's like a hope chest. And if those were to be gone, I think those would probably I think those would ruin me. And it's just things that I don't have anything to replace them of. I don't have anything. I mean, there are there are photos of him, but a lot of the photos that I have of him growing up are, you know, when we were spending time together when he was sick. So it's nothing that uh, of a time before he, you know, took a turn. I tr- Sorry. So I oh. <laughs> someone make it happy. Go. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be happy. I think this is going to be pretty. Just move it. Move it on. Move it on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so I tried. I actually tried to avoid the photo part be- because photos are just so heavy. They carry so much like weight to them. Just like Drew, like that. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. <laughs> and probably, like, probably going to put mine to shame. So I had two items that, like, and I'm not, I feel like this kind of, this whole segment, in a way, beyond pictures and movies and stuff like that, has made me feel like I'm not as materialistic as I, I maybe was when I was younger. And so I tried to, I kind of went with, because, like, a lot of my stuff, I mean, if it would, things are replaceable. You know, people are, are not, though. And so, like, it's kind of, my outlook has changed a little bit. But... I have two items that my Good News Bears t-shirt from when I was young. It was a, our church had a program called Good News Bears and you would get patches for like, like your first like prayer that you like led people in or if you invited a friend. Oh, it's like, it's like a Wana's. Yeah. And it was. So like meaningful to me because like when I would get a patch, like I just felt like this sense of accomplishment and like in a weird way that like God was super proud of me, you know, like achievement that, like, unlocked. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that like it, 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 like it mattered so much, and I was just so stoked to get that. And so to see that like destroyed, my first sense of like accomplishments to be destroyed would be really hard to see. And then the second thing was Cal- I have a Cal Ripken, a very small collection, but I mean, it, when I was younger, my brother always collected Ryan Sandberg baseball cards and I collected Cal Ripken Jr. cards. And so we would always like argue, like, oh, well, I have this card. Like, well, do you have, you know, Ryan Sand-? And we would, and if we got one of each other's cards that like, oh, like, do you want to trade for this Ryan Sandberg card? When did you get that? Did you get that in yesterday's pack? Like, it was such a big deal. And to see those destroyed, I would be just like, man, that's like, that's my childhood, man. You monster. So, (laughs) so yeah, (laughs) those would, those would break me. So my, uh, mine's going to have to be my, uh, my grandma Mana's conquistador painting that you've probably both seen hanging in my living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an amateur painter. She started in her forties after the kids started to transition out of the house. And one of her, one of her first pieces she did was that painting. And it hung in my father's bedroom and followed him when he met my mother and had my sister and I, uh, when I moved out, it was given to me by my mother and hung in my first apartment and will soon hang in my first home. Uh, for a variety of reasons, it's likely the most precious thing I own. Uh, During times of hardship, I've gazed upon it and drawn strength from it. In times of celebration, I've raised a toast towards it. And uh, it remains a physical connection I have with my father. 
He's been gone now for 30 years, and and memories fade. But I know we both looked upon that painting with admiration for the person that created it. We both cherished it and carried it throughout our lives. Uh, It'll be a year this Tuesday since we lost Grandma. And at this point, I deeply believe that there is no other possession of mine that is as wrapped up in so many powerful emotions. Uh, If you offered me a million dollars, I could honestly tell you that it's not for sale. Uh, It's an heirloom that I hope to pass one day to a child of my own. It's it's absolutely priceless to me. Hmm. It is precious to me. It's all perfect. 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 Some paintings don't react well to feelings. (laughs) (laughs) To feelings. (laughs) It's the goddamn grandma. (laughs) Careful, Jack. Uh, Cowboy. He's he's turning into the fields before they they can arm. Well, what would everyone say for this movie? Because obviously it's not our first viewing of it. But if you had to give it a score, what would it be? I would create... I would create two more uh, deadly sins because there's currently oh currently seven, oh seven no I create seven. three I'd create three <laughs> uh, and I would give it nine deadly sins out of ten I think this really cranks it out of the park the even when you kind of first watch it on like a, a rewatch you haven't watched it for a long time it reminds you very quickly how how good it is and how well it even kind of stands up to a lot of stuff. Now the act killer, the music, it's all very, very well done. So nine out of 10, I'm going to, and I, I I don't think I've ever done this twice in a row because I did the same for hunt for the red October or hunt for red October. Uh, But I'm going to go seven out of seven Cardinal sins. Uh, While it is presented for our cat and mouse genre, I think this is, for the 90s, the better psychological thriller than Silence of the Lambs. Everything about this gets top marks for quality in my my estimation. It's, it's just a great, it's a great movie. It's got a great feel and it's just a wonderful adaptation of a, of a novel. I would, hands down, give this movie 10 out of 10, one for every fingerprint that John Doe removed from his hands. And it's, again, like you said, just... For the 90s, and even probably still to today, it's probably one of the better movies that has been made, despite Fincher's <laughs> first uh, go with um, oh. Alien 3. But I like Alien know, 3, I swear to God. I, I, I would stay by that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is Alien 3 a good movie? No. Is it enjoyable in, in various aspects? I think so. I, I enjoy parts of Alien 3 very, very much so. Aliens is my favorite, but Alien 3, I will still happily watch. Oh, yeah. No, hands down. And I mean, from this movie, he went on to do so many other great things. Like, uh, I know that, you know, Nick ha- uh, Nick Haskins, uh, formerly of Epic Film Guys, loves, absolutely loves The Social Network. It's like, he would, I think that's probably in his top, like, five films of all time. But I mean, you have you have Fight Club. Uh, Eight Millimeter wasn't even that bad. Panic Room. Wait, no. Was he a neighbor or did he direct Panic Room? I forget if he directed Panic Room. Give me one shingle Google. <laughs> no, okay, so he directed Panic Room. He did the Zodiac, which Nick, which Nick hates. I like Zodiac. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's a uh, a terrible film. The game, which I was introduced like really again late into the game from when it came out, but I think that's a good movie as well. But no, did we uh, reviewed the game. Man, this movie, ten out of ten. 100%. Why did I watch that? No, not we too did long not ago. because that's a that's a um Mark, Michael Martin Sheen? 
Oh, it's not a Mike, Charlie Sheen. Um, I mean, I Martin can only get this a little bit under it. Did we but, all get um, this perfect score? We did. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's, That's right. You said you would give it three extra sins and you would give it nine out of ten. So... One day, one day we'll all give it perfect score. Have we given a perfect score all to all all way around for a movie? I don't think I've ever given a perfect score up until Hunt for Red we'll October. We'll have the like, and then now uh, I'm out this one. Pee-wee's like ah, sound with you said the magic word, <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked just like this this we went from peewee to roger rabbit i'm fine with that you're fine with that jack the patreons they're dying to know they are dying to know this one is heavy on the purse but uh this is Seven Flags Great America Adult Amusement Park. For $1 billion, we'll go about constructing an adult theme park based on the seven deadly sins. First, you will pass through the greedy arches and collect a million dollars. Next, you'll visit Pride Valley. Get yourself a mani-pedi, then a facial full body massage and soak your cares away in hot springs and mud baths. Then treat yourself treat yourself to a shopping spree and get those high-end threads and accessories you've always wanted and become the envy of those around you. Now that you're looking your best and have a suitcase full of cash, buy that dream sports car and drive it on over to Lust Mountain. Follow its curvy switchbacks, leading you to the first scenic viewpoint, Wrath Point, where we've kidnapped and delivered your mortal enemy. You know, that person you've always <laughs> always wanted to punch in the face well go ahead and slug them one if you are feeling particularly murderous you can go and have them hogtied and pushed off the cliff's edge as you sip fine champagne and laugh at their demise <laughs> further up the mountain is our legendary cave of whores the best brothel the world has ever seen stocked to suit every possible taste and desire once you've worn yourself out in the cave of whores take dante's gondola up to the mountaintop chateau de glutonay where world-class chefs are waiting to serve you any number of dishes one could possibly ask for featuring a fully stocked bar tap room wine cellar and don't forget to visit the drug concierge at the front desk who can provide you with whatever substance you need. Want to get coked up and head back down to Cave of Whores? Be our guest. Can you get Narcan out of a heroin do- overdose? You betcha. Or maybe you want to visit our famous observatory and get melted off your mind on hallucinogenics and become one with the stars. We have it all Woof. down at Seven Flags, Great America. The lines. Outstanding. <laughs> the lines that people would have. <laughs> season, season passes all around. <laughs> that, those commercials would always make me laugh with the with the guy in the uh, old down. man makeup. Just him dancing. That <laughs> I don't know why. It would always, always make me giggle. Because it was also a little bit disturbing at the same time. Oh, why? Because he was, because when he was making his way up to the bus, it would just be like, you know, Walker, 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 bus door opens. With some of the commercials, he pulls up into like a neighborhood and there's like, you know, a family and some kids out and like creepy old man gets off the bus like, you want to get on my bus here? Eh? Come in, children. Come on up the bus. There's candy. There's candy in these in these seats. <laughs> so what have you guys been watching since we last spoke? I've been watching Queen's Gambit. <gasps> Did you? I'm not finished. Have I'm, you finished it? I haven't it? finished it yet, but <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty deep into that and it's tasty. 
it is every time I think I figured it out and I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be, there's, they add a little bit something more to the layer of her and to this whole, it, it's not the, a debacle yet. It's just, it's consistent on where she's going on how good she is. And, you know, I, the genius prodiginess, the self-sabotage, the substance abuse, just everything. Uh, and I, I, I can't wait to talk to you once you finish it because it's such a strong I almost finish. was waiting for for like a Mrs. Harmon, Mrs. Harmon, you're up. Like you know, like a Dewey Cox. Like <laughs> like she she's got to look at her whole life before she goes and plays chess. <laughs> I'm gonna need more Sicilian <laughs> opens. Fifty thousand Queen Gambits. You cut me in half, Dewey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, we we also yeah we just I think on Wednesday night we finished the Queen's Gambit and that was fantastic. Uh, I, I'm sure you other guys have been doing the Mandalorian. The second episode was last night. Not quite as strong as the first, but still I'm I'm Haven't with it. I'm the liking one, it. But first one was was good. Was good. First one I thought was pretty strong. And then I I recently saw a movie. It's called Black Forty Seven. Have you guys seen that or heard of that? So it has got Hugo Weaving. And he also, it's like a little mini V for Vendetta reunion because the inspector from that is also in it, Stephen Ray. And then um, maybe Drew can help me out with the name. It's uh, the professor from uh, Harry Potter that um, collects the students and has the supper club. Oh, um, it's the dude from Hot Fuzz. Oh. It's the dad. Yes, from Hot yes, Fuzz, he's Nathan. in that as well. Like, and it's 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 Professor Slughorn. Yeah, Professor in the Slughorn, movie, that actor. But it's uh, it takes place in during the Irish potato famine. Jim Broadbent, love him. Jim Broadbent. Uh, it takes place during the Irish potato famine, where a uh, English soldier that was on foreign service deserts and goes back and just sees how fucked up things are going with the potato famine, people getting evicted off their land and basically just starving, and he goes goes on this like revenge run and starts killing everybody that wronged his family and and is wronging the Irish people and they send his old like superior officer uh, Hugo Weaving to find him and bring him to d- justice it's a fantastic like period piece revenge i think it's on netflix right now if you guys haven't seen it i really enjoyed it i enjoyed the hell out of it it's called black 47 and this is about the irish potato famine well yeah my mother will be ecstatic because she loves <laughs> well it's it's anything pretty irish. damn violent i mean the 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 main character is like gurkha knifing people like oh. it's 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 pretty intense but it's it's got a great story and the setting is is just something i don't think has been done ever okay well i mean i just finished up 31 days of horror so that was my whole thing uh attempting to watch brand new horror movies for the entire month of, of uh, october that ended on halloween i had completed far beyond what i was probably asked for halloween day was purely for watching um old favorites uh on halloween and that that's exactly what i did as for other films that i've been watching i watched i watched the new borat film how is it i've been holding off on that it was okay it, i mean it wasn't it wasn't like great i i think the plot was a little bit predictable uh for what it was going to be it wasn't as kind of like shock value as obviously the first borat film but that was very new 
and definitely uh, you you weren't expecting what was going to be coming. One movie I have watched that I really, I shockingly, I think kind of enjoyed a little bit too much uh, was His House and it's on Netflix and it actually brings kind of the idea of like African horror to the forefront where they're bringing a lot of um, African folklore into the kind of like bewitching and paranormal aspect of it. It's very, very interesting. You have refugees coming into England, into London, and they're put into a essentially it's like council housing. And in there, though, a lot of supposed evil things that followed them from Africa are like hiding in the walls and only appear when it's dark and start to kind of like bring out almost like a guilty nature uh, that is uh, tending to haunt them. Fascinating okay. movie. Fascinating movie. Yeah. We're the Beatles. So we're from Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Liverpool. We are the Beatles. <laughs> we are the Beatles. An- another movie that I uh, watched that I thought was actually really, really neat. Um, you have Haley Bennett in this new movie uh, called Swallow. And she, uh, she plays a... Um, was that the sequel to Deep Throat? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she plays a, a, a married. <laughs> she, <laughs> I apologize. Listeners. You play. Uh, she plays a married woman uh, who essentially she develops pica, and it's so interesting to watch her play this role because, despite the fact of having pica and being pregnant, she's swallowing things that are going to like significantly, possibly kill her or even the baby, and she can't control it. And it's a like it's a whole thing of like her entire life is is run for her. She doesn't have to work. She stays at home all day. She's not really listened to. She's not taken seriously. And I guess like eating the objects and things that she chooses uh, gives her the ability to control her own life. And it's just, it's a suspense uh, of a film. It's an interesting set of character development for her. It's its very unique. I was surprised by how much I liked it. I didn't give it like, you know, a five out of five or even four out of five. I think it sticks uh, strong at a three and a half out of five for me, but it's a very interesting film. It's on HBO right now, I believe. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting film. All right. Well, coming up after this, I do believe it is going to be... Cop movie? Oh, it is cop movie. Cop movie. Yep. Jack is bringing, up, bringing us his, uh, his cop movie. After the cop movie, on December 16th, guys, it's happening. Bilbo Grabbaggins. Oh, it's the best time of the year. <laughs> Grabbaggins, get your Grabbaggins here. Get your Grabbaggins. And uh, kind of wrapping up the last movie of 2020 is going to be our voice prize mm-hmm. which um somebody just called the tooch line I, I swear to god you'll make me so happy like i'm i'm, I'm begging you just call, call the don't, tooch don't go where i can't follow you mr frodo <laughs> just call us on the tooch line just give him one tooch one roast tooch line <laughs> roast tooch line uh but guys that's always a great way to get a hold of us call the tooch line leave a voicemail it's always something that we are eager to see if it's uh if it's going to come about i i probably check to see if it's going to happen quite frequently more often than i probably should <laughs> We built this podcast on rock and tooch. <laughs> on <laughs> Well, guys, if you always want to call the Tooch line, you can dial 661-376-0030. But of course, if you don't want to uh, call the Tooch line, leave a voicemail, you can always send us an email at realfeelspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at realfeelspod. You can search Facebook for the Real Feels Podcast and join us there as well. But guys, you can also... Leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. 
Yes. We haven't had any uh, landing gear in a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Miss those days. That's a nice uh, season one callback. The before time. The before hey, times. We didn't even mention it, but um, Jackie Boy, it's what is married life like now? Look at that ring. <laughs> one ring to rule them all. <laughs> Uh, it, I talked to my mother this morning and she asked me, uh, how was my, f- she said it was my one week anniversary. Uh, and I, uh, she asked me, how does it feel? And I told her, feels about the same as the preceding week. <laughs> and the week before. Yeah, and the week before. <laughs> it feels good, but nothing has really changed besides, <laughs> besides this, this little trinket. Heavy is the hand that wears the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's good. We'll be closing on a house here soon, and uh, we'll be taking a a COVID compromised uh, honeymoon. We're going to go to Lake Tahoe and this Thursday, and just be able to get away for a few days. Looking forward. That's gonna to be it. nice. Good. <gasps> did Did you guys record an episode? Oh, we, we did. did. We did. If anybody wants to jump onto Patreon and uh, get on there, you'll have not only the special episode that Jack and I recorded for when Nathan was getting married, featuring <laughs> featuring reviews. Was that our double feature? That was our double feature of, of uh, the Philadelphia story and Saving Silverman. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. We follow up with... <laughs> Wedding crashers. We follow up with it's wedding season. Wedding crashers. <laughs> Just stand back in front of the bitch. <laughs> so if you ma meatloaf, <laughs> it was no, my she first took me down below deck. I don't have any fluids left. Oh, God. Lock it up. It was my first station. You better lock it up. Oh, some old lock old lady made, made you fill up her cans. <laughs> Were they built for comfort or were they built for speed? You know what? Why don't you be a, why don't you be a team player? I'm going to go ice my balls and you have blood. So, guys, if you want to get uh, that review from Nathan and I, you can always join us up on Patreon and uh, get some special swag, get some early episodes, and some uh, proper right movie reviews that you're going to get nowhere else. Jolly good. I love that we we could have just done like a, like, here's what you miss if you weren't a Patreon member and like do like a little snippet, but we literally just did we just, it. We typically, yeah, we just did it. That's essentially a lot of what we, what we did on the episode. Every day. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for this special episode of Cat and Mouse featuring 1995's wow. Seven. And this is a nice time to do it. More importantly, go spread that word. Go keep those sins in check. But... Always remember, you're the realist. And the feelist. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>